Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but except maybe for that dancing part, today has been a day of praising the Lord. Amen? We appreciate the choir and what they do, but what we appreciate and what I appreciate from them is the heart that is there. And that when they sing that the Lord is holy and that we are to lift up our hands and praise Him as it commands us in Scripture, that I know that it flows from a heart that means it. And that is our prayer for our congregation and for our worship services in general, is that we would worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. And it's going to take us a while to get there. Because we're going to talk a little bit in the beginning about a subject that is a touchy subject. As my grandfather, who I was fortunate to see on Friday, he came up and visited my brother and I visited with Gramps. He's my lone remaining grandparent. Gramps used to tell me when I would preach at Southside Baptist Church and the little country church that he attended and still does is... Uh, I love you, grandson, but you've done gone from preaching to meddling. Well, today, there's a chance that in some of your lives, I'm going to go from preaching to meddling. Now, I would apologize in advance, but I don't feel the need to do that. Because it's God's call in my life to speak the truth from God's Word. And God's Word is pretty clear on some things. And we're going to talk today about kind of the elephant in the room, the subject that affects most people in this room. If statistics are true, uh, a large percentage of you in this room are dealing with this issue. And yet many times we don't talk about it, and it's not just the money that we don't talk about, it's this particular subject in money. Listen to this. Some recent research suggests that consumer credit debt, that's Uh, You know, that's not houses or mortgages. That's consumer credit debt stands at a record $1.6 trillion. Debt is more than double what it was in 1990. In fact, over just the last 10 to 12 years, debt has increased close to 150%. The average American family spends $400 more each year than it earns. In fact, personal consumer debt is increasing at a rate of $1,000 per second. Now think about that for a minute. That means that in a minute it increases $60,000. In a normal sermon by a normal preacher that's 30 minutes long, I didn't say your pastor, but a normal pastor, the average debt increases by about $1.8 million, and the consumer debt increases in one hour $3.6 million. 56% of all divorces are a result of financial tension in the home. Now that's in general. But the problem with debt is that we're passing it on to the next generation. You see, used to, the next generation had something to start from because the previous generation left them something 
to start from. But in today's world, the previous generations are all in debt. And so the average credit card debt by a student just out of college is over $2,700. One in three high school seniors uses credit cards. Half of those have them in their own name. I saw a story this week where a three-year-old got a credit card application. The mother filled it out, put the occupation as toddler. Put down a note on there says, I want this credit card to buy toys, but my mama says no. Sent it in the mail. Three weeks later, the three-year-old got a credit card. Maybe a little too easy to get one. I don't know. 78% of college students have credit cards. And a typical student has $2,800 on it. One in ten college students has more than $7,800 on it. And in 2001, nearly 94,000 people under the age of 25 filed for bankruptcy. It's not just that debt is something that is a problem that we kind of know is out there. It affects everything we do. On personal consumer debt, a couple of years ago a study was released that said that the average American spends 30% of their income on debt, not including their homes. As a result, what has happened is that we have become people that are no longer able to be good stewards of God's money because we have money that we owe to other people. On your handout at the top is one of those verses from Scripture that talks about debt, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute, but it's just simple. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, depending on what translation of Scripture you have, that word servant might be slave, it might be bond servant. The reality is, what it's saying is, you are not in control of what you do. So today, we're going to talk about debt. Three things I want to do today, and the first thing is is to understand a biblical view of debt. Now let me say something from the very beginning that's going to be counter to what I say most of the rest of the time, okay? I'm going to contradict myself at the beginning. Is that okay? Sure. You don't, you don't really care? Sure. Just, just go, Pastor. Scripture does not teach that having debt is a sin. All right? You need to understand that from the beginning. There is no teaching in Scripture that says it is a sin to have debt. In fact, I think there are times when going into debt or or borrowing some money may be beneficial not only to you personally, but to the kingdom of God. The problem is we don't know when to discern those cases. My father-in-law pastored a church for 23 years before... Uh, they, they transitioned out of that, and he has moved into different areas and currently taking care of my mother-in-law, who is very ill. But th- he pastored for 23 years, and he remembers, he tells this story, that one day when he had been there about 15 years, they were talking about some of the good times that had been. And one of the guys that was a deacon and on building committees with him and all kinds of things with him came up to him and says, You know what I remember, Dr. Jet?" said, I remember, Dr. Jeff, that about the sixth or seventh week you were here, we paid off our note that we had, and you stood in front of us and you say, this church is debt-free. He said, I remember the round of applause and the excitement, everything was going on. He said, you know what I've thought about since then, Dr. Jet, is you've never been able to say that again since that moment. You see, my father-in-law pastored a church. They still have some debt. But what they have 
borrowed money for with a plan to repay is things that enhance the kingdom of God, and they never go outside of what they can do. That's a case when having debt is not necessarily bad. In fact, I had a professor in college who once told me that you never go into debt for anything that depreciates in value. But when things appreciate in value and you can handle it, debt might be okay. So here from the beginning, that debt is not in its essence a sin. Now let me say this. The way most people are in debt, get into debt, and are currently living in debt is a sin. You understand the difference there? That debt in itself is not a sin, but the way that we're doing it is. Here's the biblical teaching on it. First of all, debt in Scripture is discouraged. Romans 13a, just a little clip of that, says, Let no debt remain outstanding. The idea there is, as much as you can, don't be in debt. Here's a second thing that the Scripture teaches. Debt binds us. That comes from that passage of Scripture in Proverbs 22.7. It says, The rich rule over the poor, the borrower is slave or servant to the lender. The idea is that it naturally puts restrictions on what we're able to do. That we don't have the ability to decide where to spend our income if we have obligated ourselves to pay the debt. Now here's an interesting thing in the book of Deuteronomy. A third thing is that it is seen in Scripture as a curse for disobedience. Right out there to the side, if you want to, Deuteronomy 28. And you can read through that passage of Scripture. But what's interesting is the first part of it talks about our next point. But towards the end it says that if you do not obey the Lord your God, if you are disobedient, if you're not doing what the Lord asks, that all these curses will come upon you. And it starts listing all the curses that will come. And here's one of them. The alien who lives among you will rise above you higher and higher. He will lend to you, but you will not lend to him. The idea there is that when they were disobedient to God, the way God was going to judge them is that he was going to put them under people who would oppress them by lending them money to cause them to have debt. Now, the reverse of that is that freedom from debt is seen as a blessing or reward. Same Deuteronomy chapter 28, that the first part in in verses 1 through 2 and then 12 says that if you fully obey the Lord your God, all these blessings will come upon you. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The opposite is true. They say if you obey the Lord, then you'll be the one that is charging people for using your money. So in the Bible, debt is discouraged. It says it binds us. It's a curse for disobedience. It's freedom for debt. Here's something else that you might not have thought about. Debt presumes on the future. Debt presumes on the future. Over and over and over again, Jesus teaches that we are not to worry about the future or even really think a whole lot about the future, that we're to live in the present day. Remember that, that story where he says that people lay up for themselves treasures? We'll talk about that a little bit next week where moth can destroy and all of that. He talks about eat, drink, and be merry. But he says the second part of that is for tomorrow you die. James chapter 4 says, You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that, spend a year here or carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and also do this. Or that. Having debt presumes you're going to make more money in the future, presumes you're going to be doing more in the future, but no one really knows what tomorrow holds. 
And here's the last part of what is taught in Scripture is that if you borrow, you must repay. Scripture teaches that we need to repay what we owe. Psalm 37, 21 said, The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Do not withhold good. This is Proverbs 3. From those who deserve it, when it is your power to act, do not say to your neighbor, come back and I'll give it to you tomorrow when you have it with you now. The idea is that you are to pay your debts and do it as quickly as possible. So there's a biblical understanding. It's not good, not a sin, but not good, that you ought to avoid it at all costs, that you can see it was used as punishment and reward. And the idea there is that we ought to repay it as quickly as possible. So then that next question that I kind of think of is, okay, if we need to understand the biblical view of debt, the next thing we need to understand is how debt develops. We must realize how debt develops. They did a survey recently in 2006 and asked people why they use their credit cards. 30% said they're just out of money. 33% said they do it to earn reward points. Wasn't that a crafty idea by the credit card companies? 37% say they finance major purchases. 60% say they have unexpected expenses. And 66% say it's just more convenient. But Scripture teaches us that we need to be more cognizant. We must be more aware of how this thing happens. There are a few reasons why I think debt develops in the lives of people, consumer debt, things that we don't necessarily need but that we put on a credit card or we put on a loan. And the first thing is just a lack of knowledge. We, we just don't realize what ought to happen. Now, these aren't going to be on the screen. You just have to write them in that space if you want them down. Just a lack of knowledge. You don't understand what debt's about. You, you, you get into something you don't intend to get into. Um, you don't read the fine print. Everybody know what I'm talking about there, don't you? Sign up for this unbelievable deal that can't be believed, and it's not believed three months later when you get the bill, right? The fine print. There's a lack of understanding about exactly what debt can do to you, a lack of understanding of how bad it can be. You, know, you may have heard some of the things like this, but let's pretend for a minute that there's a lady out there named Ellen who's 30 years old. She has a 3500 balance on her Citibank credit card at 18% interest. She makes the minimum payment each month and thinks she'll pay it off real quickly. Anybody know how old she'll be when she pays it off? Somewhere around 70 years old. Susan and Tom need a new washing machine. They went to Sears and they found one for $299. Good deal. They got a Sears charge card, made the minimum payment each month. By the time the machine was actually paid off on the normal interest rate of a normal Sears card, the two of them would have paid $1,200 for the machine. Now, I know when you read those kind of numbers, you go, well, that's just ridiculous. You know, every month when I make my, even when I make my house payment, which I, I went into debt for the house, and I believe that it's appreciating in value, and I believe it's a good investment, and we went through all of that stuff, but it's still, I'm on the early end of that thing. When I look at the interest payment I'm making every month, it just turns my stomach. Amen? Amen? It's, that's not good. Anybody wants to uh, have a counseling session with me afterwards, well, do that here at the front for me, not for you, for me. 
And yet, when you're standing there and you're ready to buy something, it's just so easy. Just so easy. Another reason is not only lack of knowledge, but a lack of planning. They just You don't plan for things. Things come up. You know, the unexpected expenses. Well, the reality is most expenses can be expected if they're planned for. The third thing is just a lack of discipline. Anybody notice at the uh, grocery stores, when you get ready to check out, they don't have any broccoli up there at the cash register? Anybody ever notice that? There are no Brussels sprouts sitting there. There's no, uh, no uh, you know healthy uh, granola mix really there. What's there? Candy, right? Now, as a parent, I really don't like that. As a normal person, I do. It's there, ready. Now, why do they have the candy there instead of the Brussels sprouts or the broccoli or any of that stuff? Why is the candy there? They're looking for the impulse buy, right? You know what the impulse buy is? It's when something just looks at you and you think, i got to have that. The car spoke to me and says, it needs me. I was in the store the other day and realized that, that my picture on my TV doesn't look as good as it once did, and that 52-inch plasma screen just called out my name. Amen, right? And they're subtle things. You know, you walk into somebody's house and they've got a nice plasma screen on the wall and suddenly it calls out your name again. You, you ride in somebody's vehicle and you realize how old yours is. You, you see the latest gadget, the latest this, the latest that, and you realize how outdated yours is even though you bought yours two months ago. And you lose discipline. Now, the reality is that lack of knowledge, lack of planning, lack of discipline does cause some debt. But there are times when debt comes as a result of circumstances. Now, some of those are our own causing. Some of those are outside of our own causing. And so this could be good. It could be bad. The reality is we just have to understand how the debt develops. Whether it's the lack of knowledge or planning or discipline or circumstances, we need to know what's there. And then here's the last thing. We must commit to get out of the pit. Now the reality is when we start to get into debt, it is almost like a pit. And it seems to get out sometimes. You know the old expression, sometimes we rob Peter to pay Paul, right? You take from one place to pay another place, and before you know it, you're just digging farther and farther and farther and farther down in there. In fact, I saw something this week that there's an advertisement down in Arizona somewhere that came out last January that said, all of the credit card bills are coming in for the holidays. You need help. Come to our casino and we'll help you. That's right, you know. Just win some money, everything will be all right. And the truth is, most of us don't want to be there. I mentioned paying the interest, and then I wish there was some way I could own a house without having to pay that every month. I wish there was some way that, that, that I could have those things without putting them on a credit card. All of us in this room, people that are in debt, don't want to be there. In fact, one guy says that most of us would be willing to pay as we go if we could just finish paying for where we've been. Right? And what we need to understand is to get out of debt takes a real commitment. 
2 Kings chapter 4. This is kind of an interesting story for the thought of debt. But it applies because it's a lady in debt, in a desperate situation, in a situation that she didn't know how was going to turn around, but through some simple principles she did. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. So get the picture here. It's the wife of a man from the company of prophets. Elisha probably had some under-prophets working with him, some associate prophets, if you will, some people that traveled with him, some people that shared the message. Elisha wasn't the only prophet in the country. And so he had one of these guys that was on his staff that was working for him. And his wife comes to him and says that her servant or the servant of Elisha, this prophet, is dead. And you know he was a good man. You know he revered the Lord. You know he was a guy that did what he thought was right. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So here's what I want you to imagine the picture. Sometimes we have a hard time thinking of this in scriptural terms, but what this is is a woman whose husband got them into some financial difficulty. He died, she took over the finances, and there were outstanding debts that she cannot pay. Now, sometimes people act like the Bible can't be relevant for today. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a story you could read in the Tennessean tomorrow. And she says, the debts are so bad. Now, what did he do to get into debts? I don't have a clue. I don't know why he got into debts. I don't know what he did. I don't know what the problem was. I don't know if it was good, bad, and different. He was a prophet of the Lord. He was a guy that was supposedly lived for the Lord. And so I don't know why the debts are there, but the point is the debts are there. And in order for them to get out of that situation, what she had to do was to commit to get out of the pit. And the first thing that has to happen is you must realize where you are. There has to be an honest evaluation of your situation. 